you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com the Around the NFL podcast arrives to work every day in a Brinks truck. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room that is just overflowing with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Come on. You're missing someone here. Oh, some people get their own introduction. Okay. I don't know if you if you like this nickname, but it's the one that I've heard since I've been at this company. Okay. The Face. I've never heard that before. I saw you <laughs> tweeted that out before. I've never heard it. The Face of NFL Network. It's me. Rich Eisen. Back. Thank you, sir. In the studio that you built by hand. You know what? I, <laughs> I, I'm looking around this studio. This, this room uh, looks absolutely nothing like Not the at all. I used to okay. do the podcast in. Never. Could I have imagined there'd be lights? There's actual cameras. Um, you know, what it was was just a table and um, crap against the wall. That was it. Now this is like a legit room. This is Pretty cool. great. How do you I'm feel very... about Damashek officially titling the studio, Studio 66? Mm. You know what? Damashek was the one who put the crap against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> there was like this big Troy Polamalu, like fathead cutout that he I remember that. up against the wall. But you got this built up here. I mean, let's be real. Damashek's I... not getting a podcast studio built. I understand. Let's let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. Uh, I got nothing built oh. here. Um, <laughs> what it was was me... Um, trying to figure out what else I can do other than NFL total access around these parts and just do some other things outside of just the same show I would do every day. Um, and <clears throat> I decided to ask in my contract renegotiation the ability to Boom. do a podcast. Uh, Steve Bornstein, who was in charge of this place back then. Um, who that was I, about 47 bosses ago. Was about Yeah, probably so. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know... Uh, I, I've known Steve forever. He was the one who hired me at ESPN. Well, he had people to hire me at ESPN, but he was the one who actually hired me for the NFL Network. He asked how much it would cost. Uh, 
I told him hardly anything. And he's like, why are you even asking me? Like, we don't even put it in a contract. Just do whatever you want. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. So I did that. And then a lot of people around here would do the usual, which is like, what do you mean you're doing? What are you doing? What, how do we, how do we, there was no concept of, of, of figuring out what it would look like or sound like or, or support it in any way. I just kept on chugging like the little engine that could doing my own thing. Um, eventually the lockout was coming and then the people in the programming department asked me if I could do it on television because they needed cheap programming. I said, I would do it as long as you called it inexpensive programming as opposed to cheap. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we, we then did, uh, we, we would do some of the podcast in this room when there were no cameras and we would then go over to what is the voiceover booth across the alleyway here, um, where there was one singular fixed camera on the wall. Um, you know, we used to do our updates in that room with a green screen right. behind it. It had the look of a hostage video. <laughs> um, and so we, I did it in there in front of a green screen. Eventually, they spent the money to actually get like a shower curtain that would put the podcast <laughs> logo on it. And you'd, we would just move it across behind me for the background of it. Uh, and we put together 56 of those. Wow. wow. Like over a year I did it. And then Thursday Night Football came to be at the NFL Network where it was just on our network. Um, Can I pay like one ninety nine on iTunes for an episode of that? I episode? would love it. I have no idea. <laughs> Actually, I think they flushed them all down the toilet, quite frankly, <laughs> around here. Because, you know, again, this was – now I, I'm I love the fact that there's so many uh podcasts here and your guys obviously are a robust part of, of what's being built here. As well, you know, the NFL should have more than just television behind it. You guys do a great job and it's it's terrific. I'd love that we, we did some great shows and I was very proud of it. But then when Thursday night football was on all sixteen weeks essentially here on the NFL network, they're like, We you know, the T V show's mm-hmm. over. So then I, I kind of just to finish the story, uh, said, how about we just do like podcast television shows for kickoff, Thanksgiving, that. And, and the draft, and just around the tentpole moment. So that was kind of a compromise. And then DirecTV called me up and said, how would you like to do it every day on the radio as well as TV here and after Dan Patrick's show? And I'm like, sold. I'd love to do it. And I literally had to sell, I think, the blood of my children to get that <laughs> – in my contract <laughs> i still have the i'm still you know i still have but i'll be and you very honest with you like roger goodell was um one million percent um the guy who basically said let's let's do this for my show that i'm doing on direct tv every day and um he's been supportive of every last thing i've ever done so now here I am with you guys again. Uh, personally, I'd like to thank you because if it weren't for you uh, starting this entire engine, I know that I'd probably be working at Stop and Shop in Paramus, New Jersey. <laughs> is that so right? It is a direct thank I'd you. I'd be in Paramus you know, too, but I'd be at the old mall there. There you go. We'd hang out and get lunch together. I think I once got a cake there. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> the, place to get a cake. This is this is fun, actually. I didn't really th- I didn't make sense that we're going in this direction, but it's fun to talk a little oral history of the podcast business here in this building because, yeah, Rich started the whole thing with the Rich Eyes and podcast. Damashek uh, came in under that umbrella. No doubt. And Dave gave 
Mark and I our first chance by putting on the back of our show. Then when we got together as a foursome, Rich was our first guest, which was kind of a, a really big deal for us. And uh, that that to us gave us some legitimacy that you came on as our first uh, guest it's, it's, way back when. It's neat, man. Like, I love planting flags around here. That's what I told, uh, actually, when I first got hired by Steve Bornstein. And I got a phone call in the middle of July. Okay, like I'd, my last sports center was in late May. When I left the sports center, said I had no earthly idea it was in fact my last sports center. There were a few days left to negotiate. Mm. That all went to hell. And then I got married a week later. Um, <laughs> and then on my honeymoon is where I signed the NFL Network contract. And then later on <laughs> that summer, I was just getting ready to transition to move from Bristol out to Los Angeles. Upgrade. And I got a, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and I got a phone call from an NFL executive I had literally never heard of. I mean, like, I was not very well versed in the NFL world when I got hired here. Um, I was a baseball guy on ESPN. And so, um, other than Paul Tagliabue, I didn't know anybody else who was in the NFL power structure in any way, shape, or form. So I called up Bornstein, and I'm like, you know, hey, Steve, I got a call from uh, an NFL executive wants to meet with me. You know, like, what can you tell me? He goes, who was it? I'm like, Roger Goodell. Mm. And he goes, hang up the phone and call him now. Don't talk. Like, don't say another word to me. Hang up because he was the COO at the time. He's always calling me. It's very annoying. But I I feel you. No, but it was was one of those things that we just got started and it was really very exciting. And he was uh, from the beginning, from get-go, like, we have hired you to do a job. Go out and do it. And if anybody ever gives you grief for the job, you know, you call me up and we'll try and... And fix it, and you know, so coming here, starting and planting the flag for, and I told him, and I told everybody else that you know, hey, you hired me to plant a flag. I'll try as many as possible. And the fact that I'm in this room is, it's pretty cool. Um, and you know, the the reason you're the face, Rich, is you're the face of NFL Network. You were the first face people saw in November 2003 when the yeah um, network went on the air for the first time. And I was thinking about that as we look ahead now to what's going on in the NFL. Um, back in November 2003, Drew Brees struggling in the second season with the Chargers yes. as a starter. Eli, Ben, and Philip Rivers were seven months away from being drafted. Yeah, I interviewed Ben on the Total Access set uh, prior to the draft. He was here um, as a fresh-faced kid out of Miami of Ohio and a, a prospect, and we tried to get as many prospects as they were here in Los Angeles, and I interviewed him. Like, what number would you, you know, why are you number seven? And he said, because he loves James Bond. He wanted to meet mm. Jessica Alba. I mean, there's like a whole <laughs> interview. Wearing way, his clothes were way too baggy. I mean, I really, exactly. No, seriously. Dresser. Like, we have, I love those flashbacks. So, but yeah, I, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. But, no, no, uh, you didn't. But, the, and then Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are cruising toward a Super Bowl. Yes. So some things have changed. Some things have happened. But this is, this is a time of change, Rich, as someone that's been around the game as close as you have uh, for years now. Because you have uh, Andrew Luck retiring, Foles gets injured, Sam Darnold gets mono, but Big Ben and Drew Brees with these injuries. Cam, um, who was such a big when when Mark and I came to the company in 2010, and when Cam showed up a yes. year later, that was such a huge deal. And now you don't know what's going on with his career. It does feel like a time of transition, right? Now. I do agree with that. Um, and the neat thing is, is as of about two three years ago, a lot of the conversation was around who's going to be next. We also thought Brady would be long gone by age 42 also. Right. But we were wondering who is going to be that next generation as Peyton Manning was was transitioning out and and retiring. And Mahomes is a revelation. 
Dak Prescott has been nothing short of absolutely phenomenal and I think is one more of those performances away from actually getting the majority of football fans to feel that he deserves the big fat contract that he's going to get. Um, you've got Wentz and Goff. Josh Allen is 2-0 and as we're currently sitting here, and you might be fluke, whatever, but the 2-0 and quarterbacks are also including Jimmy G. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, they're here. The, the, so the next generation You're seeing is here. that already, which is why you're beginning to see, I think maybe Daniel Jones is going to get a start because he's more mobile and obviously couldn't be less mobile. Couldn't be. <laughs> was, that's true. So, again, I, I think you are seeing of a transition in a way that uh, nobody even saw coming a few years ago. Um, all right. It's great to have Rich here. And by the way, keep an eye out. Rich is a part by the, of By the way, before you transition yeah. to something else, yeah. you speed bumped over Darnold has mono. I mean, like you just kept <laughs> no, going. We're, we're going to get you into kept, Monday Night you Football. Kept, you kept going like that was normal. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, it's been richly covered I, on this show. I was, com- I was commiserating <laughs> with Rich on DM about the Jets a week ago, uh, lamenting you know whether or not Darnold was the guy and whether the Jets were a team to be excited about or be afraid of. And then the next day he comes down with a teenager's uh, disease. To me, you know, uh, do you want to get into this now? Do you want to? I don't want to mess let's, with your rundown. How about this? I haven't seen let's, a copy of what you want to do. Let's I set said, up I'll the show with it. Did we do a bad I'm job? such Should a control freak host? You know yes. that I can't sometimes <laughs> just lay back and be a guest. <laughs> yeah, but I will do that. Okay. Let me just first of all admonish our producer, Erica. Rich should have had a rundown. No, nope. put that. By the way, you. do no. not put that no. on Erica. <laughs> Too late, I already did it. I already did it. So we were we were taking Negative. our notes from you. I really appreciated when we came on the Rich Eisen show. Yes, there, we didn't. There wasn't much. You know, we talked for a minute beforehand just to say hi. But we come and talk football. Right, that's you know? no rundown. It was Let's great. Talk ball. It was beautiful yeah. as opposed to some of the shows here where you have to go through every single point. Everyone's going to make there are rundowns in a podcast. Meetings loose, very loose, very loose rundown would not have helped you no we're, right. we don't do it that's it right so there. rich is gonna there's the rundown rich is going to sit in with us uh through some uh news yes. around the league but before we get to that yes we'll go over the last game played in week two of the 2019 nfl season and it did involve my jets and marks browns hit it ricky here's mayfield throwing and it's bill Del beckham jr in the clear 35 40 he's to the 50 he's running to the 40 he's going into the end zone 10 5 touchdown he's Indeed, OBJ uh, goes off on a big day in his return to the Meadowlands. Six catches, 161 and a touch. Uh, and the Cleveland Browns cruise past the undermanned uh, New York Jets 23-3 to at MetLife Stadium. The Browns get back to 1-1. The Jets in deep trouble at 0-2 with a lot more tough games coming up on the schedule. Uh, what were your thoughts, Rich, watching this game? Well, it's tough to pick out what the most Jets moment is, Dan. Um, <laughs> there were many. Know. Could it be um, blowing the 16-point lead at home in week one in division to a rival that you have dead uh, to rights because they couldn't stop turning the ball over in the first half in your own building? Uh, Or could it be um, having Odell Beckham point out what is plainly obvious to so many people who cover the National Football League is that Greg Williams has a reputation? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, could it be uh, Greg Williams then being given the podium by the Jets 
yes. to make the situation far worse. Very Jetsy. By saying he's never done anything like that, even though there's actual legal testimony <laughs> to refute that. <laughs> Including or, by um, someone on the Jet staff, Joe, correct. Joe Vitt. Right. Or uh, could it be that he then would call Odell Beckham not dynamic? Um, refuted that only and point to, have, to the Giants. Only have and point to the Giants as proof, <laughs> since they've been such great grocery shoppers of late as well. Could it be Odell Beckham then going on that turf and ripping one off for eighty-nine yards through Greg Williams' defense, or, or could it be, or could it be that the Jets have the football gods point out, have something occur? to their savior that points out, A, his youth and inexperience, B, also his tag him in a way with the moniker of unreliable because he doesn't answer the bell for weeks at a time Mm. in a way that others who have been given the opportunity as a top five pick have been able to answer the bell all the time, top 15. But let's go top Let's go first round. Could there be an odd illness that the football gods would bestow upon this young man at the outset of a Monday night football game just before they take on the Patriots on the road? Could that be possible? Yes, but that's not the most Jets thing. The most Jets thing, I have saved it on my phone. I have saved it on my phone. The most Jets thing of all of Monday night football was ESPN putting up a graphic during Monday Night Football, of Darnold's standing there with the hero shot, as they make all players do in front of a green screen to use during broadcasts of the subsequent year. Standing there in the hero shot, and it says, out indefinitely, mononucleosis. In like a thousand font. Exactly, in a thousand font. That wasn't the most Jets moment. No, you got to it. The most Jets moment was him then, as they rolled tape, pointing to the screen. The you, the man, I'm that's the like, man. Yeah, point. I got mono. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Deal with I've it. I've got mono. <laughs> yes. By the way, that's I would the argue. most Jets moment of all time. With the slow hand lift, oh, oh. like the pregnant pause, like twins are going to come out of it at some point. At some point, yes. there was like an ESPN, like they were having a meeting yes. and the graphics guys were like, look, I made this. It's a great shot. We've we should just use it, it anyway. <laughs> Let's find a or way. They, like, they forgot. And it was, it, there wasn't enough time to redo the graphic. And just this roll that nobody will even think and, of it. And, and poor Sam, you know, because again, if I'm a quarterback in the NFL, you know, like I've got a little bit of, you know, for the lack of a better way of putting it, like a little bit of Aaron Rodgers in me where I look at everything askance. I'm always thinking that this could turn out to be, I don't, I'm sorry that this word is not appropriate for your podcast, a little douchey, okay? Like what are <laughs> Fine. I like? I tell, I tell all the time here in the history of the NFL Network as we've shot promos, I will not do fun with football. I will not do what they do at CBS, which is James Brown, who I love. Here's a football. Hey, Boomer, you've got it. No. Here, Cowers got it. Like, so much we are laughter. Not, we are not going to do the forced hilarity. Always oh, done like an alleyway. I refuse too. to do it. It's I will a walk off. For actual chemistry, they all know here at this <laughs> network. In every promotional department, if you want me to have fun with football, it ain't happening. Like I okay. might hold it out. I might do that. They sometimes want me to take it in the right hand, flip it to the left, because <laughs> it never know when it can be used. That you look 
douchey. And in the case of Sam Darnold, God bless him, ESPN's like, all right, Sam, now stand there. Now stand there. You're turning your left. That's it. No, a little bit more right shoulder front. Okay, there you got it. Now point. Now point. There you go. We're going to use that when you have mono, okay? Right. Right. It's – Gosh. Any man with swollen internal organs is going through enough at the moment. His spleen right? yeah. is at risk, man. I, yeah. he was, what are we doing? They, yeah. they said today that uh, Darnold told reporters that when he saw Trevor Simeon, uh, yeah, he his ankle, his pillow. his pillow. What do you think oh Sam God. did when he was sitting in his apartment in Paramus, New Jersey, and, and saw that uh, graphic come up? Mm. Um, by the way, I just – and. I want to get to the Browns, Mark, because you deserve it because you're back on track. Sorry. You're back on track. No, no, no. But I thought the yeah. most Jets thing of all is the only good thing that team uh, has left to me right now is Jamal Adams and how he was playing his ass off at the so end of the game. So why not bench him? Why not bench him? And then they bench him why not to create bench another him? story. Yeah, why not bench him? And that's Greg Williams written all over, too. I could just imagine Bud Kilmer on the sideline being like, get his ass out of the game. I've I mean, coached better players than you. Anyway, so the Jets are a mess, and we know they're a mess, and with the schedule ahead, it's going to get uglier hey, before it gets at better. at least they have their own 199th overall selection to throw out a quarterback in mm. this game. <laughs> Patriots don't have, aren't, haven't cornered the market on 199th overall selected quarterback. Well, there's that. That's a very sunny... And uh, at least, <laughs> at least, and then I'm done, okay? At least... With the Jets having a guy named Ficken, they now have a guy named Falk. Just <laughs> for the headline writers. In time for being a 22-point underdog. Oof. There, there, is, there is another world here where, and look, nothing is Holy good crap. that's happening to the Jets here. Here's what I'm saying. Where a it's little, good to have you here, Rich. <laughs> have somebody that This is good for Dan. You're, you're, yeah. It is. You know what? I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a support group. You guys yeah. need, you it's need a support other. group, and you're out of it. You're out of it. Congratulations. Well, you're I, out of it. Uh, 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 okay. No, no, no. <laughs> this isn't going to okay. go. Look, no, no, no. No, no. I know yeah. you don't want to hear it. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is a thousand percent the real deal in a way that we've yet to see Darnold be. Right. Darnold's We're the supposed one to be moment, seeing it this month. The one moment that Darnold has, has ever shown, like, okay, he's got it was when he overcame his own pick six mistake to start week one. Other than that, or, or that, all right, you know what? His ankle's all banged up. He's coming back late in the season where he knows his coach is a dead man walking and he's still throwing out there. Baker Mayfield has planted his flag in the middle of the Cleveland fan base and say, follow me to freedom. And he has done it. And and the throws that he we saw where we, our eyes popped out of our heads at the Combine, Mayock was sitting next to me, and, and DJ was chiming in too. That deep middle throw just comes out like a cannon yeah. out of his arm. It's not just, you know, the moxie, and it's not like him creating plays. He's stepping back, hitting his back foot, and delivering serious professional football throws with regularity. And we saw it last night. So congratulations, man. <laughs> I'm not putting You're a out, on you. Yeah. You're out. You're <laughs> out. You're out. You're off the pain rank. And Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett is no conscience. He is no conscience. He is coming to wreck you. In a good way. Yeah, correct. Yeah. He's coming to wreck you. He's coming to wreck your line and steal your soul. That pick worked out. That's what Holy Mark has crap. always wanted from the Browns. Uh, Somebody who's going to stand up yeah. and be Although, braggy. according to ESPN's Booger McFarlane, when Jamal Adams is aggressive, he's selfish. When uh, Miles Garrett is aggressive, oh. he's like, hey, they don't let us play anymore. And I know Booger is on your show. Um, but that, that, was, know, that was awful he by Booger. Let, let, let's, let's set up the Sorry, Browns I'm, now, Mark. I, because no, no, I'm taking I, control you guys, here, I, I, it's cathartic, and I no. understand the need for that. Mark, I, this, I this was 
uh, obviously a much-needed win. And I'll, and I'll say this. I didn't even think Baker played that well last night. I thought the Jets' defense, that why Greg Williams was so furious on the sidelines after that Odell Beckham play was not just because the game basically got iced on an 89-yard touchdown, which was a killer. It was also because the Jets' D really played well despite being undermanned against a far superior offensive unit, and that all got washed away. He knew that was happening. Uh, but let's focus on where the Browns are because not only are they back to one-on-one, one-on-one, they also have – a AFC North that doesn't have Ben Roethlisberger involved anymore, and I feel like it kind of you're back to zero. You're okay, and it's time to move forward. This was a good first step. I I guess to be honest, because despite the fact that I'm out of the club that you guys are uh, members of at the, at the moment, Misery Incorporated. I, it's I. I the I private came out pile of, world of crap. I hear you. I came out of last night's game. Not The whole lead-up to the game was rather joyless because on this show, we had spent months, and we, we wager sandwiches back and forth on various NFL elements. In the, in the Baker-Darnold part two, after last year so clearly, you know, emotionally was on Cleveland, tilting towards the Browns doing yes. what they did, and you thought it's in New York. Why not have it flip this way and have this be the new duel between, as you said, the new wave of quarterbacks that have arrived? We didn't get that. The whole thing was a rather joyless affair from that angle. As a Browns fan, I didn't want. You, if you win, everyone's going to say you should have won based on everything the way the table was set. Obviously, had they lost, and there was a moment in the game where, with you know Luke Falk on there and the Jets are rolling, I thought. The Browns should be up in this game about never thirty rolling. to three. Well, there was one drive as a Browns fan. I know I'm exactly allowed, the play I'm you're allowed to. About. I'm allowed to. You, know, you said after, going into the game, you had terrible psychic energy terrible about this. And you told us it's to it's trust it. you that the Browns were going to lose this game. I did had no confidence in them winning. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not. I, there, we don't. You guys dealt with a lot more in the past week, and it continues. I'm not going to bemoan the Browns, but I came out of it. With a fair amount of concern when you look at the fact that they have a short week to play the Rams, they then play the Ravens on the road where they've, they're have they about 1-20 in in the, since 1996. Their there. next five opponents are all 2-0 right now. I, I, all be, five of their next opponents. Right, because there was in, in, in August, we, t- we threw around some scenarios that could be thorny for teams. And, and I mentioned the Browns on the show starting 1-5. And, and it wasn't just me trying to be wildly pessimistic. It is there is a roadmap for that to happen because of who they're playing and because I look at Cleveland and it just felt out before that Odell Beckham play they they were out of sync they're a little off and even last year's Baker Mayfield inside that offense experience had a little more daring do and some trickery and to me just I thought he was playing outside of his head and I don't know what's going on I think Greg Williams maybe he knows him better. Baker Mayfield was legit confused on some of those. No, I know that, and and again, he still he still was in his second year, and he didn't play a full year last year. Mark and you know, and and uh, what I would take out of that last night is I I few things. I don't buy into the whole should beat anybody. Okay, that whole business of oh Lamar did it against the crappy Dolphins. Well, you know what? No, you still have to when Hollywood Brown is two steps, put it on him. When you do have somebody who's got Mark Ingram hit the hole, you do have to hold on to the football. You do have to do the right things. You have to have the killer instinct as well. And the thing that I was totally mystified about with the Browns last night, with all the good things that we saw, I thought the line was vastly improved. I thought the defense was just lights out. I thought Miles Garrett, that is on the resume, week two of the 2019 Defensive Player of the Year on Monday Night Football. Grown-ass man becoming a bigger grown-ass man. I loved it. I thought it was terrific. Now, my concern was, what's going on with Freddie Kitchens? Week one, an absurd number of penalties and dumb penalties. 
They clean that up. They clean that up, which is all they need to do to win because their talent is far superior to the Jets, especially when you, as you called them, undermanned. I, I, I didn't miss that, that nice. uh, moniker that you mentioned yes. earlier. But before the, the half, you're up 13-3. to three. It's 3rd and 10 in your own 40. They call timeout. They come out and they run a running play. And then go ahead and try and get the Jets to call a timeout and trick them into calling timeout and burn the timeout, burn the time all the way down to a minute five. And I'm like, where's the Freddie Kitchens 2018 Baker Mayfield daring do? I understand that the defense was confusing, or whatever, but go hurry up, let's go. They've lacked and, rhythm and and and, and yeah. nail and nail the Jets right through the heart, right before send them into uh, halftime down twenty to three. Instead. They punt, and Gase yeah. made the mistake of from the ten yard line right. with Luke Falk. Let's throw one over the middle, and even if I forget, but it's Bell or whoever I don't, I don't even know the name. It was of these whoever people. was in for Demarius Thomas. Okay, who correct. Left the game. Yeah. He drops the ball, which gives Freddie Kitchens a free pass with the one timeout he didn't have left to call. He had two left, not three. So then. He gets the ball back, and Kitchens gets three out of it when he yeah. deserved zero out of it. And why would Adam Gase think, you know what, I'm going to try and get some points on the board with Luke Falk? <laughs> yeah. He- you know, when the Jets were setting the record last night for most second and 23s from inside their own five-yard line because of the million holding penalties being called right now? Gase a little bit on so tilt So I was that concerned game. about that. Like, what's – like, is Freddie – Focus. I, I think the there was you know, whispers still- that Freddie and Todd Munkin, the OC who doesn't call plays, that there was some abrasive scenario between them, which you know you want to just dismiss until it becomes a thing, and it's not a thing at this point. But there were other whispers that, that weird, Freddie man. Kitchens was not the guy that set the offense on fire last year. Well, they haven't was, they haven't been as in see. sync in the first two weeks. I don't think Baker Mayfield's come out, and it's two weeks. Not many people and come, have though, right? No, and come out and been as. You know, aggressive has had many big throws. He's had the big time throws, but he also has four interceptions. He's taken eight sacks. He's not as decisive. It hasn't been two great weeks for him. Maybe it is the Greg Williams factor, but you have to feel good that the defense, which I think can save their floor in terms of making it so that the offense doesn't need to be. They showed up. Then again, they're playing a Jets team who, you know, maybe even if Sam Darnold was there, we would be talking about they're one of the worst teams in the league. I think that's one of the things. I'm not saying you, you want Sam Darnold there. Of of course you do. But there's a scenario here where his absence is covering up some other issues that they have. Their offensive line has been a disaster uh, through two weeks, and they're just a little a little inconsistent on it. Also, that same Browns defense, and it wasn't the entire game, but they got worked over by the Titans for an 18-20 minute chunk of that game where they were tired out, and it was the offense too, but I, I, I would say Cleveland right now is not even close to looking like a playoff team. They look like they have some issues to work out despite known talent. Well, they have an... They have a very difficult schedule coming up, but so does the rest of the National Football Except League. for the yeah. Patriots. May I close this out with one yes. crazy-ass tinfoil hat <laughs> suggestion for the New York Jets? Okay, I'm, I'm here. Okay. I'm here right now. Mm. I want to just give a little bit of a history lesson to the younger audience of the Around the NFL podcast, okay? Um, way before the Patriots were the Patriots, as we currently know them, the Jets and the Dolphins had the most bad-blooded rivalry mm-hmm. in the American Football Conference Eastern Division. Hands down. The whole bit. The 80s were all about Don Shula wetting the field for the AFC Championship game because Freeman McNeil was coming into town after they let the, 
the the top that they let it just rain no tarp on the field of the old Orange Bowl and AJ Dewey with three picks it's terrible. Mm. So all of that the fake spike Dan Marino being drafted after Ken O'Brien or pardon me O'Brien drafted before Marino just terrible. What the Dolphins are doing right now? <laughs> what the Dolphins are doing right now? This naked tank job that is going on in the NFL right now. We have to call it what it is. It is beyond the pale. Because they're amassing all these picks. And Chris Greer even said it today when he spoke today that they can have any player they want in the draft. And we know which player they want in the draft. It's, I heard about this at the <laughs> draft in Dallas three months after Tua was put in the game by Nick Saban out of the blue to beat Georgia in overtime. I heard it at that draft in Dallas the Dolphins want Tua. We all know that's what they want. The Jets should tell Sam, stay home. <laughs> Sam, stay oh, I know home. where you're going. Hold on a second. Sam, Sam stay home. Because we're concerned about your spleen. It's enlarged. Whatever, it's, whatever. it's a large spleen. It's, it's a, we gotta be, the it's giant just, spleen We're right taking now. the long view on Sam's spleen. Whatever garbage. A bulbous spleen. Whatever, yeah. whatever they want to concoct. And the Jets should tank worse. Mm-hmm. They should, when the Dolphins come into town, play worse. <laughs> tank worse. Finish first overall and come to the Dolphins. Say, you want Tua? Too bad. <laughs> you can't have him. I and like say to the area. rest of the NFL, hey, who wants Tua? And about 10 teams will raise their hands and hand Joe Douglas a million picks. And Chris Greer could sit there with all of his picks <laughs> and take Herbert from Oregon, which we know not, they don't cover him, mm-hmm. and whoever else they want, and tough Tough Dolphins, we tank harder. I love the harder tank. Just to screw you over for AJ Dewey and the fake spike. It's bitter. It's <laughs> awesome. It'll. It's nuts. It won't happen, nor should it. But it's a great idea mm. that I that, want to bring to as many beer gates. It to feels Michael reachable. Irvin's I like possible. this. The, ex, the extra spiteful nature of not doing the trade. I, like I thought you were going toward the Dolphins will be so desperate that they'll pull a Ditka, no. Ricky Williams, and give the Jets no. all their picks. It doesn't matter. No, no, you no, say, no, no. You they don't, don't get what you want. Sam, Sam's the savior, right? No, yeah. you don't get it. Your tank was for nothing. And they have it within their power because they see okay. the Dolphins twice. Mm. The Dolphins, you could make sure the yeah, Dolphins you want Adam are 2-14. Two, two wins, and they go one. You got it. You got this thing That's done. That's it. Yep. It's in their hands. They could do it. If it's you thought Adam you... Gase's body language was bad, now he will collapse within himself. He will not make it to week <laughs> 17. I'm worried not about my him. problem. His I'm telling the you, The Buffalo man. Bills is the only organization in the division with an adult in the room. If I ever own a boat, though, <laughs> I'm going to be calling it Naked Tank Job. Naked Tank Job. That's what job. I want to float around on the season. By the way, I love that. this is. I feel like I saw that on Cinemax in 1996, like two ways. By the way, <laughs> Shannon Tweed was great in All Naked Tank Job. All-timer. All-timer. All right, so, Rich, do you want to sit in on news? Or how much time How much got? time have I got? No, yeah, I got ten more minutes. Is some news? All right. It time flies when you're giving tinfoil hat dumbass <laughs> theories. I don't but know I, if I'll survive that, way, but I, I like the theory. Of course, I like you the need, theory. Look, it. it makes no look. Sam's got to have playing time. Gase has got to have a shot. I totally get it. But what the Dolphins are doing, somebody's got to take. Somebody's got to take. You've got to prevent it. The one person, one team that can prevent it is a team that's already 0-2, that's tanking without really even knowing it right now. The Mono is doing the tank job for you for at least another three weeks. He'll come back. He'll be a shell of himself. Mm-hmm. It'll take two more weeks. They can try as hard as they want. They'll be 0-6, mm-hmm. 0-7. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because they play the Patriots twice in weeks three, <laughs> week seven. That's two losses. A- By the time the Dolphins come to town, here's what you do. Just lay down. <laughs> lay down. They might still win, Literally though. lay down. There's a dark horse there in Carolina being run by a, a hedge fund manager uh, and Kyle Allen starting I know, 14 and, games. And it'll be that? strange. The highlights will be like, why is everybody knocked down like bowling pins as Josh Rosen runs untouched for 85 yards? Like, it'll be what the hell? Well, you need to keep the theory. Too bad. It's good to announce it here, but then you're going to have to keep Tap wraps it on it. Until, yeah. yeah, well. Why? The Dolphins know. are doing it in plain, plain you know sight. What? Some element of surprise, though, you know. You know what, Rich? Everything you're saying makes sense, <laughs> and it's interesting, and I like it. But I also still can't believe it is September 17th. Oh, it's over. And the, this is what we're talking about with the Jets. I told you. Let's do some news. Whatever happened to Gary Cooper, the strong, silent type? That was an American. We'll get to that in a minute, a few minutes. But let's start with uh, the rundown of these injuries. Uh, Since we last spoke to you on Sunday, we now know that Drew Brees is going to have surgery uh, on his torn ligament in his right thumb. Rapsheet reports that the time frame for recovery is approximately six weeks. Um, Sean, um, Sean Payton has to now move forward uh, Wes, with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, who has been, let's say, underwhelming in his limited time behind center. But now they're calling on Teddy to keep the ship afloat until Drew can come back. I think anybody who's ever met or spent time around Teddy Bridgewater wants him to succeed. Oh, yeah. But nothing we've seen from him in real game action since his catastrophic injury would give you confidence that he's going to succeed. And last week's performance against the Rams, in which he got very little help from his running game or his receivers, the game was just too fast for him. So with a week of prep, does that go away? But if I'm a Saints fan, that scares me, and I'm still going to wonder in the back of my mind, should Taysom Hill be quarterback in this team? That's young. I would like to say something. Mm -hmm. You hit on the name that nobody's talking enough about. If you don't think Sean Payton's sitting back here and saying, what do I have here at my disposal that I can use in the next six weeks? If you, if you think the Ravens can suddenly turn on a dime last year and change their offense from Flacco to Lamar Jackson so successfully, and Sean Payton is the guy who can probably do that within literally five minutes on the back of a cocktail napkin, mm-hmm. I think Taysom Hill is going to get way more snaps than anybody thinks. And I would look for who is third string. Do they have a third string? They just re-signed JT Barrett to the when practice did that? squad today, right? Yes, that was the sign. Like I was like, let's see if they sign a third QB because, and that's and this is Sean Payton, just because he's Sean Payton. I mean, you think okay, your 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 goat has a a thumb injury that you know is serious enough he can't grip the ball, so you're just going to take. The backup, put him out there, and your third stringer, let's make him a slot receiver. I mean, who does that sort of stuff? Somebody who's got the right amount of crazy like Sean Payton. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> mm. I want to see more It's going to be – we're about to, to the point where I'm thinking of picking him up in fantasy. Whoa. Like, I don't know. I know. I, I know. I Dan know, do that. I know. Did you I really? Know. I'm I know. serious. Like, don't you think – Because like, the point is to get a difference maker, not a guy who's average. Don't you think he's going to see a ton more snaps – I do. Out there in the perfect Absolutely. time to uncork it is in Seattle, first week. Nobody's thinking. Yep. Will he see enough snaps coming? to work as a fantasy player, though? I don't know. But That's you can pick up all those other guys know. you mentioned are even, and you can pick any of them up off the waiver wire Here's whenever the you want. There's no one, only one taste. No one's stopping him from yeah. doing it. No one's stopping him from doing it. He invested a third-round pick in Teddy Bridgewater. Then he signed him for $7.5 million. He's invested a lot of practice time. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater's looked – 
comfortable. He needs to pull the trigger a little faster when he's behind center. But Sean Payton's the offensive genius. There's nothing more. Just like Bill Belichick loved going 11-5 and with Matt Castle more than practically anything he's probably ever done. Sean Payton wants to show that he can run this offense and that they can light people up, whether it's with Teddy, whether it's with Taysom Hill. You're right. It'll probably be some combination of the two. But right now, he believes Teddy Bridgewater's his best option. But aren't the Saints at this point, because you're running out of time with Breeze no matter what, I mean, they are in full-blown hunt for the franchise quarterback of the future. I'm, I'm no, you got to look at both these guys and find out what you have. You got, yeah, you got Steve Young. I That's what they St- keep calling him. I think Taysom Hill's is what he's thinking. I guess. But what by I'm the thinking, way, Steve Young's is, a Hall of Famer. If he's that good, he should be playing. Well, yeah. What I'm thinking is you have to. You can't be looking at Teddy Bridgewater as the plug-in answer without challenging him this season with Taysom Hill, and then challenging with every other option you can. And if Breeze goes down, well, you guys all have your laptops. I don't know if you have the ability to call it up like this, but how many how many snaps does Taysom Hill get with Breeze? It feels like it's five, six a game, right? Uh, yeah. With Breeze, with the GOAT, where they split number nine out wide, right? right. And sometimes they'll yeah. do it in the red zone. And you're About like, what's up with that? Yeah. So you don't think he'll double that with Teddy Bridgewater now? Yeah. And just and 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 come as close as well, the, we've ever seen to a two quarterback offense in the, the NFL. Side of that like, is, I could see that he played twenty one snaps last week, Taysom Hill. I could see Do this you risk coming, using man. him as a tight end or slot receiver when he's your backup quarterback? Well, that's why they signed JT Barrett. I mean, I, I, honestly, like it might make sense that to do that, that when you're already on your backup, we saw last night with the Jets. I mean, they almost went to. Well, did, didn't I? Did you? Were you the one who tweeted that? Like, yeah, I was curious backup? who was their backup, and I, and I and I was like, you know, well, it was Lev Bell. You know, yeah. Lisa Salters confirmed it was yeah. Browning, Testa, Lucas, or, <laughs> yes. or Brook, Brook, Penning. Pennon. <laughs> I mean, let's let's give Teddy Bollinger Bridgewater one start where Pennon he gets Nagel. to prepare for the opponent. Where Sean yeah. Payton's preparing let's give for Teddy him. A shot here. Let's what give him one start week before seventeen we... last year. I think you're going to. He see was playing it. with a bunch of backups in in every and against backups. Wasn't That's he? fair, but I mean, but not three starts or four. And no, but just the well, offensive fine, line in that. Right. That's I the thing. People that watch that game. I think you're going to see more of a. Taysom had 36 snaps last year. How many this year already? 20 something. 21 last. So we're already seeing a massive uptick. Oh yeah. All right. Sandwiches. In other news. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, yes, out for the year. That elbow injury um, that he suffered was serious enough that it's going to require surgery. Here is Big Ben's statement. This is shocking and heartbreaking for me to miss this much of a season and feel like I am letting down so many people. I can only trust God's plan, but I am completely determined to battle through the challenge and come back stronger than ever next year. Uh, crushing blow, Mark, for the Steelers who um, are 0-2 and – this is a season that had Super Bowl expectations, and now you turn it over to Mason Rudolph. And I saw your Twitter, Mark, and I, I thought the same thing watching this game, that he looks like he could play a little bit, Rudolph. It would be interesting to see, uh, give him a full week and see if he could sling a little bit because he seemed under control and, and he made some nice throws. But please, I mean, this is a big drop-off from the last season's uh, passing leader. It is. I don't know if last year, even last year's Big Ben was the Big Ben that we've grown accustomed to in general. It is interesting because Chris Mortensen reached right out to Jake DeLone when he found out about this injury. And it was DeLone that went and had very similar Tommy John-esque surgery and came back the next year, went 12-4 and and had one of his better years. So it's not the end of Big Ben. And the other problem is Big Ben's contract makes it utterly impossible to part with him next year from a cap and money standpoint. So I I think he's still in the... 
in the in the in the docket for next season. But Mason Rudolph, to me, these things happen fast. And if Rudolph were to have one of those seasons where he captures the imagination yes. of the Steelers fan base and saves what looks like they're a very good team still, and their defense, if they can get a little bit more on track, they've we'll got get to their defense. Right, we'll get to that in a second. I mean, yeah. Mason Rudolph's in one of those interesting backup quarterback positions where you've got the. It's kind of like a, any given Sunday scenario where you've got what's his name, the aging guy on a uh, down. His and name out. is Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid, and you got you know we've got the new guy coming in. I kind of liked Mason Rudolph. I think he's got a. They've tried to find backups to Big Ben for a while, and they've all been jabronis. This guy's a little different, and I think the coaching staff likes him a lot. Was it was it a guy named Mike Jabroni? Is that what? Uh, Mike Jabroni. Yeah, they yeah. had Ted Jabroni. <laughs> so by the way, I mean, we, you know, the all, we had Byron Leftwich. We had Charlie Batch. These are some legends. I'm not talking about Leftwich. Wasn't a fine Big Ben's. Successor. No, They've been no. drafting guys as well, maybe the, guy. the successor. And, and it's exciting, know. and I'll, right. we'll see how it goes. A couple of things. One, uh, sh- shameless self-promotion, the grind on Epics tomorrow night. Mm. Um, there's show two, title. There's two, yes, there's two features. One is Charles Woodson with the Patriots and Dolphins, and uh, Charles caught up with Brady and did ask him about the, uh, the tuck rule. So Shocking for Charles Woodson <laughs> number to bring one, that up. That's number one. Number okay. two, it was also um, – uh, Bettis was in Pittsburgh, on you know, in the stadium when Ben went through all this, and he did meet up with uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and it streamed to me when he was asking about you know his new role. It seems it's gonna. He's not fully adjusted as to being quote unquote the man, the number one guy. It takes a lot, especially when everybody else is dropping the football left and right. Dante Moncrief is just <laughs> suddenly like Edward Stonehands. Um, and so I, I'm I'm curious to see if Mason Rudolph will have the ability to move the offense. He definitely did a better job than Ben did in the first six quarters in just his two quarters in there. Juju Smith-Schuster had a sign of life. Do you notice the receivers started to get open? You know, uh, well, you know, ben, ben wants an offense sort of like what Aaron Rodgers used to have, the isolation routes where the receivers have to win one-on-one, and he's playing from empty spread formations. They bring in Mason Rudolph, and they're running sort of a more normal NFL right. offense where the receivers don't have to win one-on-one every route. So we'll see what happens. Jimmy G is, uh, and the Niners are his first up. And then number two is, we all know Pittsburgh Steelers fans very well. I mean, I, I know a bunch. Obviously, Damashek is one of them. Do you An unlikable crowd. Well, that's just my opinion. Okay, understood. But do you know of any <laughs> one Pittsburgh Steelers fan, one, I just want the name of one, who has been comforted by the news that Jake DeLome came back well from this. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Is there one? Let's see that if that even makes it. Like no, Erica might hey, just he cut came that back and then everybody. got the worst contract in NFL <laughs> history. I, I love Jake, but I mean, yeah. is there a single Steelers fan? <laughs> I mean, Rud- Rudolph. Rudolph's a, in only in his second year, so if he plays well, that's a good problem. A nice, I was I was surprised that people landing. thought, "Oh, this is this is the end of Ben Roethlisberger." No, he just signed a bad. huge contract. It's There's like, no reason why. Like he wouldn't Mort, be back. let me call Jake. Jake Delhomme had that uh, same injury. Hey, oh. Steelers fans, don't worry. Jake came back strong. I don't say interceptions in the play. He'll be carried by his defense in his running game to the playoffs, and then. He'll throw four interceptions against because the Cardinals. His arm was it may be the worst performance. I'd also in invite you to look at Chris Mortensen's Twitter feed from last night during Monday Night Football. Yes. Just go back and look at it. I don't know. I thought it was a hack yeah, scenario, the, but there was I, something. I, I, I think some, someone <laughs> interpreted. Someone interpreted there were three rats, and I was thinking they're the rats jumping off the dolphin ship. That was oh, someone. Oh, oh someone's thought. All right. Well, let's get to that. Um, oh. Dolphins. They draft Mika Fitzpatrick in the 2018. Yeah, we're jumping in the organic fish tank. Uh, they draft uh, Mike Fitzpatrick, first round, 2018. He expresses 
you know, displeasure with the organic fish tank. He says, I want out. And the Steelers, who aren't looking to throw in the towel on the season just because Ben's out, make a trade. Love it. Uh, they trade. That's the future. Yeah. I mean, the, mm-hmm. Who trades 22-year-old defensive backs you choose in the first Bizarre. round a Bizarre. year later? Who does that? It doesn't matter if he wants out. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, yeah. and Chris Greer's like, hey, we told him. We want you here, man. Coach wants you here. The owner wants you here. Then the 22-year-old stays put. Let's let's hear it from. <laughs> let's hear. I it mean, from what the are GM we talking himself. about here? Is everyone getting get out of jail free card because they ask for it? Let's let's hear it from the yeah. GM. With Minka, it's just one of those things. Um, you know, the player had expressed that you know maybe time for him to uh, change, and so we tried to make it work. Myself, Brian, Steve had multiple conversations with him about saying we wanted him here, viewed him as a core piece, and, and wanted <laughs> I've him here. Heard and, something like this before. Uh, the kid just. Felt it was time for him to move, and, and we told what the value was. We and told teams, and we had multiple offers. Of uh, course you did. He's a 22-year-old that, stud. Uh, the Pittsburgh one was the one best for the organization. He won He won the what? best defensive back in college award like 18 months ago. These are guys you hold on to. Pardon me. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. These are the guys you hold on to. You don't trade these guys. And and here's, here's a wake-up call for the Dolphins and Dolphins fans. Chris Greer um, – uh, who I've never met and I have heard nothing but the most respectful things about. I, I just have to say this. He could be uh, George Young and times 10, like to the 10th degree. Like name the w- w- some of the greatest grocery shoppers and drafters in the history of the NFL. He could be that to the 10th degree. You draft all these guys with all these picks next year, certainly when you don't get Tua because the Jets are going to do what yep. I say. That plans it out. But even with Tua. They can go 0-16 with two of the first year. You still have to, when you hit the win it now button, look at the Clippers. They would never have gotten Kawhi and Paul George if they already didn't have the group here. Look at the Browns. Your Browns, who are out of purgatory, they still got enough people together on defense that when John Dorsey started turning all of these picks, mostly on offense, that they had into human beings on offense, they can win. The Dolphins, even with Tua, you don't have a left tackle. You don't have a defensive back like Minka Fitzpatrick. You hold on to these people. I never thought I'd see a team voluntarily turn itself into an expansion organization yes. like this. And it's pathetic. Even from a competitive spirit angle, you can't win. You can't compete on a on a level playing field. And there is no more level playing field in pro sports than the borderline socialist structure or of, of the NFL, where you get carried along no matter what happens. Dolphins are a They good can't compete that. on that level, so they're stripping it down to the lowest level to give themselves an advantage in the draft. And it takes no special insight or acumen to strip your team down. It just doesn't. It takes a patient owner, an extraordinarily – uh, downtrodden fan base bordering on apathy and a hierarchy of the sport willing to look the other way or perhaps more accurately throw their hands up because they have no solution while the competitive integrity is stained for the whole thing. It's just, to me, the competitive spirit of sports, you're saying, I quit. I don't want to compete in this setting. Okay. I, bizarre. By I, the way, I think they looked at the Steelers, though. That, I think man. they looked at part of it was they looked at the Steelers. They see an 0 2 team that's starting Mason Rudolph. And they think, we got Minka Fitzpatrick. We've seen him. 
Uh, you're talking, this is the guy we keep. You're right. It's crazy that they trade him and Tunsil because you're just going to have to replace them. These are guys on rookie contracts. That said, Minko Fitzpatrick has played 1,000 snaps in the NFL. Anyone that says this guy is a future superstar is just basing it off of a draft profile. They, didn't, they haven't watched all of his snaps. He's been fine. He, he hasn't he made graded it. out he, number one along, among slot corners on PFF last year as yeah. a rookie. And had a negative, and he had the versatility had a negative to play grade overall. Like he, he's, he's had ups, he's had downs. He looks fine. My point is I think they looked – at the Steelers, and they thought, could this be a top five pick? If there's a chance that it is, I guess we're just going to so take it. what's the narrative here before I, I, I tap out, if you don't mind? Yeah, mm, please. Of course. Um, what is the narrative here? Is the narrative that Brian Flores was bringing the do-your-job defense to South Florida and making him uh, perform in a scheme that wasn't to his – that's what Minka uh, satisfaction said. Satisfaction or to the best of his ability that they were making him cover tight ends and it was something that he was complaining about. He's playing about. in the box. Minka okay. was so, upset that he was playing strong safety. And his mom. Okay. So so the question so the question <laughs> is don't we don't we always and and rightfully so lionize the coaches who change their scheme to fit the people that they have, right? Like that's what we say is the mark of an excellent coach that we will change what we do to fit what our players do. We still have a philosophy, but we're, 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 we're flexible. So what does that say about Brian Flores? That he's not going to be told what's best for the team by his his second year player. They didn't. They, in his mind, he was the best option to play that position because they don't have anyone to play that position. But they have someone to play slot cornerback. I'm not going to question Brian Flores's sort of defensive acumen, what's going to make his team the best. The question is, like, why Why do you listen to that 22-year-old and just trade him because he's unhappy? Like, why can't, it's you, so why can't you figure that out? It's so bizarre. And and I understand the guys don't want to be here. I, I don't want him here anymore. But then let's – how do we not make this work, right? So let me ask you guys. It's an interesting show of faith by the Steelers, by the way, in Mason Rudolph and the team that they have. Hey, uh, they – they should, though. They, they should of course. Have a, I a think defense a that's team. missing only what Minka Fitzpatrick to can me, provide. To me, and this is why I think Mayock and Gruden went and got Antonio Brown, or Gruden got Antonio Brown and Mayock didn't sit over my dead body, um, <laughs> that, that when you need to evaluate a quarterback, as I think Gruden still wanted to do with Derek Carr, or still does even, because he's, he's, he's constantly trying to change quarterbacks or kick tires on it, to evaluate that quarterback, you have to give that player protection. You have to give that player weaponry. You have to give that player the best ability to win with your offense because your defense is strong enough. Quarterback should know that, or the Dolphins should know that with Josh So Rosen. the Steelers just, I mean, right, the Steelers just added Minka Fitzpatrick. They see what their issues are in week two. They can see over the, the steering wheel, okay, we're going to have to get somebody at this position. They're not going to be as talented or maybe even as young as this guy if we draft him next year in the first round. Get him. Do For it four now. years. Let's do it now, and let's Cheap. evaluate Mason Rudolph right now. And, of course, Tomlin's one of those defensive coaches. That's his forte is the secondary. Well, let's see it. Though. I can do it. That's, well, the, that's it. the thing. Like, let's see the Steelers not ruin a highly drafted defensive back. Let's see Mike Tomlin have a top 10 defense in the last seven or eight years. Hasn't happened once, and you look at the talent that they have, and I think that's one of the issues with Ben 
uh, being out is a little more focus is going to be on Mike Tomlin, and that's been a big problem in the first so couple weeks of their ask- defense. Let's let's see if he can have a difference yeah. making defense. So let me ask you this last one for for me, if you don't mind, because I I do have to run. But lock I, the I doors, really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this, this <laughs> chat here. Um, do you think we're seeing with the Dolphins? There's two choices. I don't think there's any gray area. Do you think we're seeing the Coach Norman Dale moment, where the fans are howling for his head? And he's waving his game plan in the satchel at them. <laughs> this is this is what I know, and it may be very unpopular right now, but I got this. Do you think that's what the Dolphins are doing right now? Or they went to Stephen Ross, or Stephen Ross even went to them in his front office and said, Tua, we got to get him. We're going to get him. Whatever you need to do to get him, I don't care how much you raise it down to the ground. And I trust you, Chris Greer, to put players into these spots. And it's just going to be an unmitigated, long slog of a disaster. <laughs> it's only there's really I don't think there's any gray area here because this sort of stuff doesn't wind up with a six and ten, eight and eight, and we'll see how it goes three, four years down the road with the GM and coach. Like it's one of the two where it's going to work out, and Milan High wins it all. Or or Hickory wins it all, <laughs> or we're going to see something else. Like your expert opinions, you guys my, have seen a ton one, of football. What do you think? My one thing is that I think I I am open minded to the idea of what they've done to make ensure they get the number one pick and ensure they don't get the third pick and someone else gets the best quarterback and they get up they get the the the, the second helpings and they continue to win four or five games and be the milk toast Dolphins that we've known all along. I feel like when you're allowing players to voice their displeasure and then be traded, no matter what they say, it's not a precedent. That is the precedent. It just happened. And when you give up a left tackle who Daniel Jeremiah feels is a star left tackle, that's a very tough position to replace. Has the cut down gone too deep? Couldn't you have already gotten this quarterback with where you were a couple weeks ago? Did you need to also give up Minka? I think it came from the top down. To answer your question, I think it came from the top down in January and Chris Greer Pro, who, who, by the way, drafted – who was there. This is part of the confusing messaging of the entire Dolphins season. Chris Gray was there. I know he wasn't the top guy. He was the guy underneath Tannenbaum, but he was supposedly was pretty integral in drafting Minka Fitzpatrick and Tunsil. I think they presented this vision to try to get out of 7-9, and nine, and they're trying Didn't to – Didn't you execute. ensure the first pick, though, or before I, moving I Minka think this is an enormous uh, leap of faith that this is all going to work out, and I think it has the potential to cripple – a once-proud organization for a decade and permanently hurt the brand. I think this this has been way too much. Take a look at the Raiders. They had three first-round picks. Mayock, who is as great a talent evaluator as there is. I don't care everyone's like Cleveland Farrell, why him and not anyone else, because if Mayock was on NFL Network talking about Cleveland Farrell in the open for months – then all the fan bases that would think Mayock was crazy for taking Cleveland Farrell would be complaining to their team's general managers, why didn't you listen to Mayock? Okay, so let's just say Mayock is as good as they come. He turned three first-round picks into Farrell, Abram, and Jacobs. Those guys look like they are A, grade A material already, and unfortunately about Abram that he's out. But even that, what does that make the Raiders? Eight and eight? Seven and nine? Six and ten? Nine and seven if they're lucky? Like, when do you start hitting the win it now button when you've got the Patriots in your division? (laughs) Like, this is all kinds of crazy to me, and I hope it does work out. I know a ton of Dolphin fans, but so you guys don't think he's – this is Coach Dale. They know what they're doing, and it's going to work. 
They're going to win it. What? I don't think it's going to work. I just think it's the play. Under this front office, starting with the top, what have they shown that would lead you to believe they know what they're doing, that they're in on some secret that nobody else knows? Greer said something very interesting today. He made it. He said we're going to be aggressive in free agency. This is not going to be a long re- go there? rebuild. He was saying like we're we're playing. They said they got in trouble in the first place tomorrow. by shopping in next, March for talent. Yeah, next year. I mean, he made it sound like we're going to be aggressive and this is a short short rebuild. And Again. it's not Flores' plan. I mean, he's he must have been given assurances that he's not going to. You know, this isn't on he's him. He's not going to get season, whacked. Right. But it's not his plan. And again, I'll just make this last point: the Clippers would have never gotten Kawhi and Paul George to come, the top free agents, they would never have chosen the Clippers if they didn't already have the idea of how to win, a coach who knows how to win, and a front office that has the respect of players like Kawhi and Paul George, like Jerry West, and like uh, Lawrence Frank. No chance. Which free agent in their right minds, despite how much money Stephen Ross might throw at them, Say yeah, I res- I'm ready. I'll I'll go there and be part of a rebuild and try and win two three years from now. No chance. You have to have the ability to show what you're talking about, Chris. Well, the NBA's got to do that. You can build a team through free agency in the NBA. You can turn your entire franchise around in one fell swoop like the Clippers did. You can't do that in the NFL with free agency. Those players aren't available. Rich Eisen. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. It was amazing having you here, Rich. Uh, and you know where to see Rich. I think I talk on, too much. No, it's, you were awesome. Hey. Game day morning on on Sundays. After yeah, the games, yeah. you come back here and you, you watch the recaps. Rich and the whole gang. Also, the Rich Eisen podcast became the Rich Eisen show uh, Monday to Friday, noon to 3 Eastern. Uh, that's syndicated all over, but you could watch it on DirecTV on the audience channel. Yes. The, the Grind. The Grind on Epics, 9 o'clock uh, every Wednesday night, uh, 9 Eastern time. 9 Eastern. Yeah, I mean, uh, they're killing it, too. Epics is throwing a ton of promotion at it. Um, and so this week it's Bettis in Pittsburgh and Charles Woodson uh, in Miami. Next week it's Snoop with DeAndre Hopkins when he comes here to Los Angeles, hanging out with him. Um why were we not? We're not pulled into this that is, scenario this is, for some reason. Like this is this is how this is how it's rolling, you know. And that's oh, yeah. the idea. They're already it's rolling around. contacting some great <laughs> Hall of Famers to hang out with their former teams or with players, and all showing about how long of a slog of a season it is. The grind and you know? um, and keep an eye out in the months ahead. The NFL 100 celebration. Yeah, I'll, I'd Rich love to come back over and, that. and uh, yeah. talk more about it. We'll talk about that because you, you you're guys... spending a lot of personal, well, professional one-on-one uh, time with Bill Belichick himself. So we need to get you in here back. Does he know you're a Jets fan? You mean my boy B squared? Ooh. <laughs> oh my God. Are you allowed to come? We got to do it. I did have an underlying question is what did he eat when he was here? I don't know why. I just want to know what sort of plates of food Belichick ate. Can but, you watch and take you know, notes as he eats, uh, Rich? And then we'll talk about little it in November. Human things. Huh? Little human things. <laughs> oh, Yo, you mean tickets. like, no, he's a human being. Okay. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch him eat. <laughs> you can I mean, confirm you saw that, things I didn't you know, see. But he's so. got a great sense of humor. Well, so. He we does. Need to have, we, I need more details. Okay. We all do on this. Okay. That's the type of comment it stands like. Everyone always says that about What Belichick. does he eat? Let's see it. Well, yeah. just like you guys probably at some point at all, you all got your plates of food and like does Belichick have diet principles he holds to or would, did, you, did you watch him eating like a giant king's like uh, – No, he wasn't like Henry like, VIII. Okay, he wasn't like yeah. chewing like a, 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 a turkey leg. Yeah, turkey leg. Yeah. yeah, no. 
I don't know. Mark is a vegan. Assumes everyone just eats giant hunks of raw beef. I just want to. I just want to know what just he. To, eats. Just to, Mark's you know, a fooditarian. I didn't. He I like didn't. Food. I didn't take notes or or um, stalk. Okay. But um, in the green room area, I was out of him, Collinsworth, and me, the only one who ordered the egg whites. Hmm. You were. Where, how else would yes. we know that had he not been there? Well, that, 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 I learned that's more about how, you, and that's how Eisen has been getting sub six seconds. Yeah, man. Even as he ages, oh, he's I'm like already Tom working Brady. out for it. I'm working. I'm, I'm no Chris Wessling. <laughs> I'm I don't think I could run. Which a one of us? Which, great, man. which one of us would scare you. you the most if you had to take us on in that race? Good Just question. by eye question, which one you'd say I need to practice a little bit harder or less? Uh, you know. I, I Wessling to me is uh, a man who's been refocused in yeah. life. Uh, and a man who's now got uh, a better half. Um, but uh, Rosenthal strikes me as a little... Uh, what, what was that word? I guess rangy. <laughs> Nimble. Oh, okay. I, saw I thought you were going to say rodent. Rat. I thought you were going to say rodent. <laughs> oh, no, rangy. Okay. Rangy. Yeah. No, you might, I, you might I, be able to... I'm putting the miles to... in each week right now. Greg can West, move. You know, West, pick him up and put him down. Right but, Incorrect analysis, but uh, that's fine. <laughs> Gone with Greg. That's, All right. That's okay. Rich Eisen, thank you, buddy. You got it, guys. Thanks, Rich. All right, Rich is out the door, and uh, thank you to the face once again. Uh, we will keep going with the news now. So, you know, by the way, I mentioned before, whatever happened to Gary Cooper? So you got Mika Fitzpatrick who says, I don't want to be here anymore, and they just send him out of town. Now Jalen Ramsey, the star cornerback of the Jaguars, uh, he has requested a trade uh, following brewing tensions with the organization, uh, that being the Jaguars. Rap Sheet reported on Monday night. Rap sheet cited a number of reasons for Ramsey's frustration with the team that drafted him fifth overall in 2016, among them being the confrontation he had with Coach Doug Marone in the first quarter of the team's Week 2 loss to the Texans. Uh, I just want to say this, and feel free to disagree with me. I know you do feel free. Um, whatever happened to Gary Cooper? Why? What is Jalen Ramsey supposed to be a leader of this team? And is this how the league is now? When the tough gets, when the going gets tough, you say, "Get me out of here." I mean, he's supposed to be the face of this franchise. And now, maybe things are so bad behind the scenes that we don't know uh, that he um, that he he feels it's toxic and it's not a healthy place for him. But this just feels like it feels like a guy that once there's adversity says. Send me somewhere else. Send me to the Patriots. Send, send me to a team that's that's going in the right direction rather than, you know what, I'm going to be part of the solution here. This is a little on my radar, some of this behavior I'm seeing. Sure, but there's no Gary Coopers, in with to use that analogy, on either side. Jalen Ramsey was very composed and I thought mature, interesting in his press conference today. And one thing he made clear, the Jaguars are the one that put the trade stuff out there. And he, he, he just said, all I can say is that there's no that we requested the trade that we made sure a hundred percent my agent and we've circled back on this that that would not get out we did not want it to be a distraction for the team the Jaguars put it out there because they want to trade him they want to get the the most that they possibly can for him before they have to pay him because it sounds like they don't want to pay. let's let's listen to Ramsey but yeah I wanted to talk as soon as I could uh, today just because uh, I don't really want it to be a distraction for my teammates getting ready for a game on Thursday. Uh, and right now, I'm still a part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, and I'm getting ready for the game as well. Uh, and that's where my focus is right now. I've been in the meetings. I've been taking my notes. I've been getting ready for uh, our, our walkthroughs and our practice and everything that we got to do out there. Well, I think what Greg's point—that's that's a writer talking. 
fans don't care who released. Fans care that this guy asked for a trade from the franchise, not that he's not the one who put the story out there. He's the one asking for I'm it. He's the one it, doing the action. Here's the Dick Gary Cooper thing. It's like if if they wanted if they're worried about it being like handle your business, you know, keep keep it quiet. Let's not have a distraction. They're just they're just businessmen that are trying to get the most that they possibly can for him. They don't care about the distraction. I mean, Greg, it is a Gary Cooper free zone, and Greg is correct <laughs> about that. But that's the case all over the league, and I think that we are dealing with players. Who, we're talking about Gary Cooper in the time that we're discussing <laughs> is when that means. no, but players Anyways. had zero personal direction or power, no ability to direct their own careers. Now they're feeling incredibly empowered, and, and and many of them are probably being told by older players, "Don't do it the way we did. We didn't have a choice. You do." And me, I don't like it if I'm a fan and watching Jalen Ramsey roll into camp in a Brinks truck right away. You're when you're telling me I don't want to be a distraction, so I'm going to talk about it now. You already are. If you have to address this, you've already become a distraction. But in general, the distraction seems to be that players aren't all in for the next five or six or seven years. There are times, and we're getting to it, if you have a certain amount of star power, you can direct your way out of a losing situation. They're talking about the Chiefs as someone that's well, whispered here. that's I don't what like I'm talking it, about. But that's, I agree with that's you. That's why I'm talking Gary Cooper, because the idea, what you want in a, the, a, the face of the franchise and a guy that was that um, if they have a good relationship is going to get paid by the Jaguars, you imagine. He's, he's that talented as a star. But I just I don't like the idea, and I think leadership is so important with a, a organization. And some of the things from Jalen Ramsey in, in the last year or so to me have turned me off, and I would imagine it might have turned the Jaguars off as well. And I know it's always it's very popular to always say, well, the team's wrong. Do never support the team. Always support what the player is doing. But sometimes this to me makes a situation in Jacksonville when he as a leader, should be working towards getting this team out of the rut and getting the season back on track. Instead, we have this entire soap opera playing out, and the season's just going to go further I hear south. you, but he also shut down DeAndre Hopkins. It does raise, like last week, he balled out. He played one of his better games you know, that, that he's played last week. To and me, that's that, good. He's trying, but since when has that been something that we need to say, well, well right. he's still trying. Guess, All right, he better be I guess be my trying. thought, it does raise interesting questions. Like, who is more important to the organization, him or Doug Marone, him or... Jalen Ram- for Tom Coughlin. Now, they say by the way they pay him that the players are more important. Tom Coughlin and Doug Marone have, you know, objectively done a much worse job at their jobs over the last few years. They decided to pay some offensive linemen. They decided to play Marquise Lee. They decided to play pay Blake Bortles. They drafted Only Leonard. one defensive player have they paid, Miles right. Jack. They, they drafted Leonard Fournette over. You know, so they've had their own issues. It doesn't mean... That everyone should go in and request a trade, but I, I don't know. I mean, Doug Marone has had a laundry list of issues with people wherever he's been, and that's part of the personality there. But I just would say no one's questioning if Jalen Ramsey is trying hard or he's talented. I'm not. But talent has nothing to do with leadership, and I don't see someone who over and over reminds me of the core leader on a team when he's creating these issues over and over and going to magazines and T- you know, uh, generating toxic comments about quarterbacks from the league. That's part of today's game, and that's fine, but I don't have to say that's the guy I want running my locker room necessarily. It's fair to wonder where he wants to play. We know it's not Dallas. He's already come out and said he'd never play for the Jones family. Um, this is a guy who thinks he knows more than the coaches. We can see that from his comments and his behavior. He doesn't like authority. He doesn't like the hierarchy of the coaches telling him what to do. So to me, it's fair to wonder where he wants to play on field, out of all the cornerbacks under 28 years old, this guy is most likely to go to the Hall of Fame, I think. 
Right. And, and that, I think Stephon Gilmore has been the best corner in the NFL for about the last year and a half. But before that, it was Ramsey, and he's probably most people probably think Jalen Ramsey is the most talented cornerback in the NFL. I'm sure we fans can, asking why Stephon Gilmore's not on their team. I mean, it's like these guys move around now. I'm sure we can find you know exceptions, but you're not usually looking at your cornerback as a, as your you know team leader. If you just kind of look, isn't at the, your best player supposed to be your team leader? I'm just saying that for whatever reason, the position that's just sort of the history of the position. I would be interested to see how much they can get for him. I mean, if if Minka's worth one first-round pick and Laramie Tunsil's worth what he's worth, I know you have to pay Jalen Ramsey, but they're reportedly asking for two firsts. That sounds about hey, right. Hey, Wes, fire up the app, the GM oh, app. Oh, yeah, GM app. Hey, we have a – For the first time. We have a guy that is going to wear a gold jacket uh, in about 12 years. He is just entering his prime. He is the guy that will put you over the top. Give it to us. This feels like an Eagles situation to me. What? Oh, an this feels like an Eagles. Jeffrey well, Chadia of NFL Network has reported that the Chiefs are not interested. And if you look a little bit deeper, they've got to pay Patrick Mahomes. They've got to pay Chris Jones. I don't know if they've got the draft pick ammo either to get him. Uh, let us move on. Yes, it has finally happened um, for the New York Giants. They are making the switch at quarterback. The team announced Tuesday that rookie Daniel Jones will start uh, this week and going forward. Uh, the move sends two-time Super Bowl MVP Eli Manning uh, to the bench. He'll be a backup uh, and mentor role, as they say. Um, Pat Shermer said in a, a statement that they spoke on Tuesday morning. I told him that we are making a change and going with Daniel as a starter. Eli was obviously disappointed, and you would ex- as you would expect, but he said he would be what he has always been, a good teammate, and continue to prepare to help this team win games. So... It has happened. We uh, One of our, our first sandwich prop of the season um, does not cash out for anyone. Mark, you were the closest. Uh, you had week one, week two. Week as two. As when Daniel Jones would replace Eli Manning. And I'm not going to give you one of these 18-month campaigns where I should have won this. I did not win it. I lost. <laughs> Good. This no horseshoes and hand grenades scenario here. I mean, the other one is completely legitimate, <laughs> legitimate, the Philly special. This one I am willing to because I'm logical, not – Beat the drum on this. I lost. Okay, good. Very big of you. So the Jones will be the starter. And Wes, um, I know you've been pounding the drum on this um, for a couple of years now that it was time for Eli it's to like go. like fireworks going off at Wes's house. Well, it's, it's finally happened. Well, I think, first of all, Eli deserves respect for starting 226 games in the NFL, leading his team to two Super Bowls, and really engendering extraordinary levels of loyalty from his organization and former teammates like – NFL Network's own Sean O'Hara, who still have his back to this day and are questioning the organization for benching him. That tells you something. It does. On the subject of Jalen Ramsey. On the subject of leadership, this guy clearly has had it his entire career and had it in spades, and I think he deserves a ton of respect for that. That said, I've been saying this for two and a half years, and the way NFL analysis works, guys like Kirk Cousins, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen – They've all got critics. They've all got haters. And every other week, those haters are skeptical that they're right. They're like, well, maybe I'm looking at this wrong. Trubisky's on break, on track to break records for the Bears. You know, Cousins looks great. Never in two and a half years as I thought, have I thought Eli's been anything other than washed up. I think they made this move a couple years too late. I don't understand why they paid him what they paid him this year. And I don't understand what the organization was doing all offseason. Daniel Jones playing so well in 
camp and especially the preseason was a big factor here. I wish I had written in one of those preseason winners and losers. This, the, it's up to Eli when he gets benched because the second they're two games under 500, that's probably the time. You know, I wish I had gone week three. They lose <laughs> right out of the thing. I think I was thinking week five, they'd be one to three. It doesn't matter. Daniel Jones played awesome. That's the problem. I mean, the, the worst excuse, and this is what the Giants kept saying, was, well, you know, their defense is terrible. And, you know, what does it really matter? Well, that doesn't mean you still trot out one of the five or six worst quarterbacks in the league. You, you, I think their offense could be pretty good. And by the way, we heard forever, oh, the protect if the protection was better, who could? They've it's had great, been better. It's been yep. perfect through two weeks. The last problem that they've had in their two regular season games has been pass protection. That has not been a problem. I, I would, it's to me, if you're a Giants fan, I don't know. What, I don't know what if you're a Giants fan, you want to work out and not work out, but it suggests to me that Pat Shermer is something a little bit more uh, than a Manchurian candidate in this whole. <laughs> You know scenario because he this had to have been how he felt for a long time. He's been talking up Daniel Jones while everyone else was killing the team for drafting him. He was saying in the early rookie mini camps everything. This guy is processing information. I like him a lot. So I feel that Pat Shermer finally had to be given a shot to run the offense the way he wanted to. That's that if you're Daniel Jones, you're walking into a scenario where you've got. Almost no healthy wide receivers you can count on right now. It's a, it is a rather one-dimensional attack where they seem to be out of ideas on how to fool anyone after the first quarter from the two games I've seen. There is better protection in the past, but it's not a great situation to walk it's into because your defense isn't helping you out, but they needed to do it. It's not great, but it could be worse. because And now we get to see it because Dave Gettleman, who put everything on the line, and he did not have a good offseason, Dave Gettleman, but... When he took Saquon Barkley with that pick and passed on all those quarterbacks, um, everybody killed him. And Saquon Barkley has turned into arguably the best running back in the league and a guy that can be potentially, uh, you know, potentially like a all-time talent. Now he's got Daniel Jones in the lineup. So now we'll see um, if Dave Gettleman is a guy that has a future with the Giants because if Jones looks like a guy who can play if he makes strides. And they did for all the Giants' mistakes and paying Eli, and there's a lot of money on the hook for Eli, and that was all bad, but that's not our money. It's it's, it's a done deal now. Um, they did get him in early here. It is the middle of September. He's going to have essentially close to a full season if he stays healthy to develop as a rookie passer. And if he does develop well and the Giants flash, Dave Gettleman is going to come out of this feeling good and have job security as – does Pat Shermer. So you, you you look at the Giants and you see they might be a little interesting to watch now. It's, it certainly wasn't the case, Wes, with Eli at this point. Well, I think you're going to see a different offense. You're going to see the RPOs that all these other young athletic quarterbacks are running. And we'll see what Pat Shermer's made of as a play caller. He got this job for a reason. Right. It's, I think it's good for Saquon Barkley. Yeah, and I think Pat Shermer – had to t- tell the front off. And I think Gettleman is, you know, he's an Eli guy, even though he took Daniel Jones, he's as loyal to Eli as anyone had to be like, if I'm going to get fired, give me a chance to go with, the, to show you what I can do with Daniel Jones, because Pat Shermer's not surviving this. It's like, they're not, Pat Shermer's not going to be their coach in four years, unless he can somehow get Daniel Jones to look really good and, and maybe win some games too, but especially make Daniel Jones look good this year. Like he is in a one-year window or they'll be moving on to another coach. That, that's actually why I went with week two because I think these things tend to happen quicker in the regular season when suddenly you have a whole coaching staff, their families have all moved to this area, and you got to tell your assistant coaches, we're stuck with this guy for the next 10 weeks. And why isn't Jay Gruden having the same conversation about Dwayne Haskins? 
Um, and yeah, Eli has gotten, he's been a punching bag for a couple of years now, not just in this room, but in the media and on Twitter, he's become something of a joke. But I think the reason why I, and we'll talk more about Eli when he retires, maybe it will come as soon as a few months from now. But I think maybe one of the reasons why in this studio, I always kind of defended him is having been in New York when he had his rise and the fact that he not only was at times a very competent quarterback. And of course, what he did and beating Bill Belichick and Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl, which you can never take away. People always slept on a what a good um, uh, what a, the Iron Man aspect of a, a guy that's there every week, and how many teams struggle. Look at the Jets; they're on their third quarterback in three weeks. Eli Manning every week was there, uh, and he also did it right. He was a good guy with the media. He was involved with the, the community in terms of uh, charity work. He's a good guy, and I just think he was a great pick for the Giants and. And I don't know, we could argue about Canton when the time comes, um, but, I mean, they nailed the pick. He's one of the guys where the the person will could propel him right into the Hall of Fame if there's any question, because the person's kept some people out for years and years. I'm not saying, I, I could care less about the Hall of Fame, but... Sneaky but, fun to watch, like in 2011. There was only a couple of those seasons, but they, at that moment, in 2011 especially, he completed about as many... Low percentage, how did he possibly do that? You shouldn't have even tried it type of like amazing throws late in that season. And even though he didn't have a great Super Bowl necessarily, he had a very good one. Like he was the reason that they won that Super Bowl more more than in, in – He made a couple huge throws in that Super Bowl too. Yeah. We you talk about it a lot. The Mario Manningham throw is the best throw in Giants history. The helmet catch is the most famous throw. But, uh, if you knew you could have that career, you'd take in a second. Minus maybe Twitter existing, where my face <laughs> is being magnetized day after day every time something happens to anyone. But All right, let's move on. Um, Cam Newton aggravated that foot sprain he suffered uh, in the preseason, and maybe that sheds some light on why he has not looked like himself in the early going this season. Um, he did not practice on Tuesday, rang alarm bells, then rap sheet and Tom Pelissero reported uh, that his status is up in the air for Sunday against the Cardinals. Um, I believe since that reporting, it is is it a done deal or is it still up in the air right now about Newton's availability? Either way, uh, the guy's not healthy. And and Greg, we he didn't play healthy uh, in week two. And it, again, this is the guy they need him to be, Cam Newton, and he's just not that guy right now. People have tried to determine when the injury happened. It looked like it was, I think it was in the second quarter of week one. At that point, he was seven for eight against the Rams. And you can see the play where it happened, and he hasn't played very well since. So there's kind of a one-to-one comparison. We can talk about it again Thursday. We don't need to uh, you know, bemoan it. But it, it sounds like it's a long-term injury, just the way they're talking about it. It does not seem like it's something that, hey, he's got a chance to is, play is this Frank week. striking again? It, it sounds like that something harlot? that could be a few weeks here with Kyle Allen, which is, you know, puts all the more pressure on, on a GM and a coach who I think knows that they need to make the playoffs this year or, or a new owner might just change everything. I would just mention, and I, you know, not Cam Newton is not, you're not going to go replace Cam Newton, and I that very good chance he's just there next year, no questions asked, but you can get out of his contract for a song for nothing, and I just... That feels like a team where the table is set 
for a massive look, differently looking Carolina Panthers team next year. Coach, quarterback, everything. Weirder things have happened. I mean, I like the idea of Cam Newton, but when is the last time we felt like this was a fully healthy quarterback who no questions asked is going to be the Iron Man scenario November. we just talked about? Last November. That offense was awesome with North, North Turner before he hurt his shoulder. It was. It is, just feels like I it's always not, something with him, though. But what These two injuries he's had with the shoulder and this foot are obviously serious enough that he's a totally different quarterback when he's trying to play through them. Sometimes quarterbacks can play through injuries and be close to themselves. He is a shadow of himself. And for what it's worth, Jonathan Jones of the MMQB, a former Panthers beat writer, says he believes Kyle Allen is definitely starting this week, and he would wager the field over Cam Newton in week four, too. Hmm. Kyle Allen looked great, by the way, in week 17. A lot of confidence Didn't look quite as good in the preseason. No, he didn't, but... Uh, that's what's happening in the news. All right, so it's a supersized edition of the Around the NFL podcast <laughs> with uh, Rich Eisen. Do you think Rich liked the face as a nickname? Did, what, what did you guys pick up I think up he there? was prepared to be skeptical, but you won him over. I mean, what's not to like about it? I think at its core, it's sort of saying you're the dude, you're the man. He wasn't sure what you were getting at, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you like it if – I wouldn't mind if, if, you know, this will never happen, but down the road you were known as like the face of NFL Network or the – It's the dream, The right? core typist of NFL.com. That feels more achievable. <laughs> the core typist. That feels achievable. Core typist. Hey, hey, hey it's uh, the fingers of NFL.com over there. <laughs> Gross. Once you explained it to him, I felt like he was on board. Yeah. Uh. I, I mean, not, I felt like I had to explain it. There, yeah, there was I'm a not bit sure. Of skepticism. Yeah, there, it did feel like a mixed reaction. I'm not sure what he if felt. If I find a knife in my tire when I get to my car, I'll know. <laughs> Probably the lanyard-wielding security people. <laughs> um, Wes, I love, by the way, that you're clashing with security. I feel like you're carrying on my legacy. I've kind of moved away from uh, and my war with him. Um, but you are picking up the torch. You're taking the baton. And you are fighting the good fight. Do you know why I know that they have no hand to play here? <laughs> why not? Because if it was important enough, they wouldn't have just let it go after a week last time. They just let it lapse for a year, and then now they're like, oh, it's important to wear lanyards again. Yeah, I don't know if the audience knows, but Wes, when he tried to enter the property today, was told, take out your lanyard, show well, it. How would the audience Yeah, I'm know. pretty sure they don't know. Now they do. I mean, it's. I, I don't know. We've been doing I this show about three hours. That. Conversation went. Is, to your point, it is the second time this has come around. I think these corporate mantras, obviously, they got the security group together. Corporate and vultures. Said, well, that, these things have a half-life. I, by a month from now, no one's going to be asking you. You put up a strong resistance, Wes, and you, sh- and you right. kind of shocked the security right guy now, because you, you didn't comply. You are like one of my, my children who knows, okay, it's a new school year. We're going to put down some new rules. Oh, yeah. And if they just fight against it as hard as they can after a week and a half, those rules will be out They're the gone. window. Well, it's a stupid rule. You don't ask grown men to wear lanyards around their neck. So it feels like you're strangled by a lazy they, person all day. Please. They might be singling you out, though. I mean, none of us, the three of us, well, I, I think they've, got, I, they've uh, got his picture up is, on the wall. Don't, don't I, I've been West. stopped. I've been stopped. But I like what I did, I took a different tact. I yeah. said, you know what? Thank you for letting me know. Uh, I absolutely will address it. I appreciate you they, telling me. And then we went our separate ways. I never wore one again. Well, you don't want to get on the lanyard bad boys list. Well, I mean, Wes is security. announcing. They have, on, the, you know, on, they, have a, they have the pictures just in their, in, back in their little hut back. What one are they going to do? Boys. It's one picture. They want to know you work here so that if someone's walking around without a lanyard, then we know that there's I know, a but Erica, you're, I Erica, you're on you, my belt loop and put it through the exchanger every day when I come through so they know exchanger. I work here. Exchanger. 
Erica, for someone it. who prances around with the Ricky Hollywood as her Twitter handle, you were surprisingly on board with this, with security's take on this. Like, you know, Wes, it I would was. be a good idea for you to wear this. Before you would think, like, Ricky, who walks around with her black jeans with the holes in the knees, and she's like, I'm a bad girl. I'm part of youth culture. Like, that she wouldn't fall in line uh, with this whole policy of management. It's, it is a surprise. Okay, yeah. Let's circle back on hour third, uh, three of the show. We can talk about it then. <laughs> The show is a little long. <laughs> Hit us up if you think the show is too long. <laughs> also, stop hitting up Mark and Dan, asking us or them how they're feeling like as their hearts are breaking. Yeah, can you see if Dan is okay? Mark gets the same thing constantly. It's not helping. And by the way, I'm fine. I processed the grief of the end of the Jets season on last Thursday's show. So I, I watched Monday's game with a, a sense of detachment that it was already over. And sure enough, it was over. Just a general role here in life some people when they're suffering they need space not smothering twitter's not about space and i know people mean well sorry i'm not trying to get on you i just don't think it's helping to ask and then tag mark and dan in that <laughs> i'm rock and roll ricky hollywood but i follow the rules <laughs> like sue me i don't know like wes is screaming about like security threats it's I'm a jarring juxtaposition it. i think you can understand where we're coming from that's all it's like i would I know, expect you to be hundred... like burn security to the ground doors open all the way well there was like a, a gun you know seminar that we all had to take it was like an eight-hour thing on nfl security that you bozos just like spat like past that you didn't have to go to that the security guy who security guy who says hi to me every day and holds conversations with me knows who i am and doesn't need a lanyard to identify me all right thursday night football put a pin in it an afc oh. south showdown between the tennessee titans one and one after that uh dispiriting uh home loss to the colts uh now travel to the big chlorine tank in jacksonville to face the jaguars and um Greg, this is a very uh, interesting matchup between. Uh, well, I'll sell it. Uh, the Titans. It is. We want to see the annual Titans. Well, I know you game. find it interesting, but I'm I'm trying to sell it to the greater public. The Titans, which they could not have looked better uh, in the second half against the Browns on the road, got everybody sucked in, and then looked very much like the old Titans in week two. Which wh- who's the real Titans in, ni- in 2019? And the Jags. Anytime you, this is a uh, caged animal game, West or cornered animal game. 0-2, everyone knows your season's over in the NFL um, when you go 0-3. With the, with the added element, caged animal, of your cornerback trying to get out of the cage before the game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so there you go. I'll and set you're... you up that way, Greg. A caged animal game mm. against a Titans team that uh, we really don't know who they are yet. We've seen a ceiling and a floor already. It seems. And, and a quarterback in Jacksonville that sort of resembles a, you know, a, a cute, furry, caged animal. <laughs> That's true, too. Gardner, Gardner Minshew looked fine in his first start, but this is a perfect matchup for Tennessee to get right. Not only did they kind of wipe the floor with Jacksonville, if I remember a few times a year ago, they're a veteran secondary who should be able to swarm and kind of swallow this Jaguars offense, which was very condensed a week ago. This is just so it's such a limited team. They're so thin. You know how sometimes you hear, oh, Dak Prescott, he's completed eight passes to, you know, to different receivers in the first half. They've Six Jaguars, period, have caught passes this year. They don't have a backup running back. Their offensive line is very thin, and they were struggling to pick up blitzes. It's just a lot to ask for Minshew, who I think is doing a good job, and their defense to carry them. I think when you have you – know, the beeline through both games was that despite some big plays on offense for – 
the Titans against the Browns. Marcus Mariota is not a quarterback that propels any offense he's in. He seems to hold you back. And, and, one, and one thing that I find interesting about a team like the Titans versus others is that you get Adam Humphreys, and you mentioned on Sunday, Dan, he finishes week two with negative two yards. I thought he was going to be a, the perfect thing for Marcus Mariota. And A.J. Brown, big game week one, really nothing in week two. And it's just you cannot count on the Titans' attack week to week outside of I think, you know, Henry potentially on the ground has been consistent since last November or so, one of the better backs in the league. They're going to need him to be big in this game, but I do trust every other element of the Titans in their defense. And to me, I'd be surprised if they don't win this by 10 points or more. Mm. They're the better all-around team. I expect them to win, but you never know when a Jaguars defense is perfectly capable of shutting down the Tennessee Titans, who are not dynamic on offense. I mean, they shut down the Texans. The Texans... I think one their touchdown, I believe, was on a very short field. Otherwise, they, they did a great job, and that was without Ngakwe and Boye. Don't know if they're back, but... Well, they got pressure on Watson, and that's two weeks in a row for Watson. But Watson, that didn't shut the offense down against New Orleans. Minshew Mania, Thursday night. All right. I'm, you know what? I'm going to be open-minded about it, Mark. I'm, not, I'm never going to be on the Minshew bandwagon. I, like I said, I made that decision, so I'm watching it from the outside. Uh, but... He seems like a likable enough kid. I think the bandwagon. I mean, it feels like there was a big send-off party, like at a, when you say goodbye to a boat. Where a lot, but then you know, it's it's a hundred miles out at sea, and it's lonely, and we're you know we're gonna have to be reminded that the bandwagon is still moving across the country. Here. Erica, you know, messaged me like ten minutes ago. We need to move this along, you know. But we do have one sound drop that I got. I prepared, so we might as well use it. <laughs> All right. Probably one of the most unpleasant auditory moments in NFL press conference history happened today <laughs> with Jalen Ramsey. Let's hit it. Oh. Oh. That is Jalen Ramsey cracking his oh. knuckles. Let's do it again. Yikes. Oh. Oh, that's gross. How big are his knuckles? That's the loudest knuckle cracking you've that's ever heard. Bad. I mean, he's probably got big hands, so I imagine it. Uh, that's actually a good question. If, if you have bigger bones, bigger fingers, uh, bigger hands, do you crack louder? I guess you would. I think right. I love this podcast because we came out of rich and we're like, let's let's move let's move the rest of it along. We spent five minutes on b- and now we're talking knuckle cracking. <laughs> um, all right, so that's it for Tuesday's show. Thank you for everybody uh, for listening, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday night. Uh, well, we'll be back Thursday with our preview show. We're working out the details. Yes, we were in dialogue with our listeners via social media about how we're going to handle the show rollout with Thursday Night Football. Internally, it has not been locked down, but we're leaning towards releasing the Thursday Night Football recap um, as its own uh, mini pod on Thursday nights and getting out the preview episode earlier in the day. Um, that's probably where we're going to go with it, but you'll find out soon enough. Prepare your complaints. Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the face, the old boss, and Miss Rule follower behind the glass. <laughs> Until Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.